Luke 10 and verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man, not just any man, not just another man, not just some man, but a certain man. Would you like to underline that? Because God deals in certainties. You know, it's not an accident you're here tonight. Uh, you're a certain individual in a certain place to hear a certain message sent to you by a certain God through a certain preacher for a certain response. And you're certainly going to have to stand before God and answer for it. A certain man. Aren't you glad that you're so important to God that he arranged it in such a way that you would be here at this particular service to hear this particular message that you could give a certain response. You say, well, I just dropped in tonight uh, just because I was in the neighborhood. No, you didn't. Nope. God works all things according to his will. How many of you believe that? So, a special message for a special person, for a special reason, to accomplish a certain purpose. That's what you're here tonight. And a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Do you know it's probably better to be whole dead than half dead? Because whole dead, you can't feel that you're half dead. And here lies a man in the ditch of the world. Robbed, stripped, naked, wounded. Far beyond being able to help himself. Here lies in the ditch of this world an opportunity. An opportunity to be too busy to help. An opportunity to stop and offer help. An opportunity to look at him and say, well, I've been telling you you'd get in a ditch the way you've been living. Or an opportunity to tell him, hey, look, if you get out of that ditch, don't you ever get in another ditch. Well, let's go on because I feel something coming on. And by chance, there came down a certain priest, not any priest, not another priest, a certain priest. Wow. And when you saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, 
and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. Have you ever heard that phrase again, when I come again? We need to hear more of it, do we not? Because every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even he is pure. If we thought Jesus was going to come back before the night service is over, we'd probably get our religious britches on real quick. Amen. If we thought he'd come back before morning, we might get some literature out of our room, might cancel some programs on our dish system, and we might change the music we're listening to. I'm not just saying, uh, when I come again, I will repay the... Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, Father, tonight, for just a few moments, I pray you'd help us as we study your word. And Lord, as we stretch our faith, as we put our lives, our talents, our abilities on the line for Thee, I pray that You'd help us and encourage us. And Lord, give us faith. Lord, give us faith to carry on. Give us faith to stretch our ministries. Give us faith to step out and see You do something. Lord, give us hope. Hope, that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God, the Lord Jesus. Our hope is in nothing less but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So, Lord, give us love, love for our neighbor, love for those who are in need. And so, Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I'd like to talk to you tonight. Very shortly, I'm going to look at the clock. Oh, it's not even working. <laughs> yes, it is. Somebody just passed out. I'd like to talk to you tonight about an opportunity to make a difference. I want my life. To make a difference in somebody else's life. I'd like for my life to at least be a testimony that somebody was helped, somebody was encouraged, somebody was blessed because of the years that I spent on this earth. I don't want a preacher to have to lie when he eulogizes me. I don't want somebody to have to be a sham, and I don't want after some preacher to be ashamed that he has to say he's a good man. He cared for others. He wanted people to go to heaven with him. He wanted to make the world better. I'd like to make a difference. Would you like to make a difference?
in somebody's life. God has been so good to me to give me six kids. Wonderful kids. I complain a lot about them and I kid a lot about them. But I've got six good kids. Not perfect by any stretch of imagination. Only because I was raised by a daddy that wasn't perfect. But all my kids love the Lord. I love him deeply. Sometimes they don't act like it. But I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't made a decision 50 years ago to get saved, I'd have raised six outlaws. I'd have raised six losers. Oh, they could have made money. But they wouldn't have been worth much. Daddy, are you making a difference? Mama, are you making a difference? We have before us a story about three men who had an opportunity to make a difference. You know the story. It's a very familiar one, and it's often talked about. Someone has said opportunities goes around disguised as hard work. That's why so few people take advantage of them. Opportunities described as hard work. Recently, I talked to one of our families. Now, I may have it confused. But I think they told me that when they were young and in school and struggling, between the two, they worked six jobs to pay for tuition, to put food on the table. Six jobs between them. Sometimes opportunities walk around disguised as hard work. That's the reason so few folk take advantage of it. I know you've heard of Dan Marino. A quarterback for the Miami Dolphins years ago. And in his second year in the NFL, Dan Marino was quarterback in the Super Bowl. He did a wonderful job. Despite him throwing 300 yards and one touchdown, the records show that Marino's Dolphins lost to the 49ers, 34-16. And Marino felt bad about it, but he wasn't devastated because two years and he's done made it to the big time. Surely, surely, he said, this will not be the last time that I make it to the Super Bowl. Wasn't such a big deal. Second year, I made it. When he retired in 1999, he never made it back to the Super Bowl. And even today, he will tell you, if he had a thought, he'd never had the opportunity again. He'd have made more of that one opportunity he had. This may be your last game. 
maybe your last Super Bowl. Maybe we ought to take, make opportunity to make a difference. Amen? Huh? Listen to me. You don't have tomorrow. Opportunities are all around us. Each had the same opportunity. The priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, each had the same opportunity. But only one made a difference. Why? Because it took of his time. It took of his means. Are you willing to make a difference? And many times the difference makers are, are right before us. Uh, several years ago, when we began to send our astronauts into outer space, we developed a real problem. We had nothing to write with. Because when you get into outer space, gravity would not allow the ink to flow down in the pen. So they had nothing to write with. So they hired Anderson uh, uh, Computer Company to uh, analyze it and develop a pen that we could use in outer space. And after a decade and several million dollars, we finally developed something like $12 million over a decade of experiment and developing a pen that we could write with in outer space. Finally, after $12 million later, they developed a pen that you could write upside down in outer space and would write on anything, including crystal. And we now have a pen after a decade of research and $12 million that'll write anywhere. You know what the Russians did? They used a pencil. <laughs> How many of us are that way? We try to solve the problem when there's no problem at all. When we can use the pencil. Uh, is there anybody here tonight who would like to say Amen. See, our attitude determines our action. And so what has happened is it's right before us, bless your heart. And, and the Bible is plain. In Ephesians chapter number 5 and, uh, and uh, verse 15 through 17, it talks about the, uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know tonight that God had a will for the priest and for the Levite and for the Samaritan. But the only one that took advantage to change things was the Samaritan. Because the other two folk were too religious and had too much to do. You see, the attitude always determine uh, the altitude. Have you ever heard that before? Attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine how high you go, how high you reach, and the things you accomplish on the face of this earth. Fifty years ago, I had an opportunity. Fifty years ago, as I sat in my living room one night, on a Thursday night, I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to have my sins forgiven. My name written in the land book of life. Or I could stay like I was and ruin a family and hurt society and probably end up dead 
or in jail for the rest of my life. I had an opportunity. And thank God I had enough sense to take the right one. And I got saved. There wasn't anything on me that didn't get saved. And I want you to know something. For 50 years it stayed saved. Not by works of righteousness which I've done, but by his mercy and his grace he saved me. And I'm here tonight because of the grace of God, because of the love of God, and because of the patience of God, and because I want to make a difference while I'm here. Our attitude will determine our altitude. I wish our kids, our young folk, could get a hold of that. I wish that I'd have started serving God when I was their age. I wish I knew nothing about gangs. I wish I knew nothing about the inside of a jailhouse. I wish I'd never know anything... But our attitude will determine our altitude. All three of these folks had an attitude. In verse number 30, the thieves, the robbers, the heartless had an attitude. Can I give it to you? Their attitude is what's yours is mine. I'll take it, even if I have to kill you for it. I'll take it when your head is turned. I'll take it when your eyes are closed. I'll take it whether you want me to or not, because what you've got is mine. And I'm going to get it. I'm not going to work for it. I'm not going to earn it. What's yours is mine. And I'm going to get it by hook or by crook. But with a lot of that attitude today, is there not? Uh, I said, there's a lot of that attitude, is there not? I never shall forget one morning I was awake. I was going to catch a plane to go someplace to preach across America when I was preaching out a lot. And I had to come by the church house to just, just pick something up. And... Uh, on my way to the airport, my wife and I, we stopped by the church and went to my office there to, uh, to get whatever I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten now already what I'd forgotten that I'd forgotten. First thing goes is your mind. Next thing's your legs. <laughs> Notice me limping much? <laughs> and I walked in the office to discover that somebody had broken our church. And they'd taken all the files, turned them over and threw all the papers in the floor. They'd taken the safe and turned it upside down and knocked the bottom out of the safe and stole all the money that was in the safe. Stole several of my credit cards that I had at my desk. And uh, I've been buying things all over the world. (laughs) They call me the world traveler now. Of course, next week I won't be able to go anywhere because I'll be broke. And it just devastated me. I felt like I felt like somebody just invaded my whole life and robbed our church. 
There's a lot of folks out here that has the attitude, what's yours is mine. I'm going to get it any way I can. And that was the priest. I mean, that was the outlaw. That was the thieves. That was the robber's attitude. You know, a lot of folk have that attitude. Well, since that big church down there's got a lot of money, I'll just double the price. You know, you don't have to because if you'll do a good job, do it on time, I'll always pay you more than what you charged. But if I think you're trying to get to me, I'm, I'm not that easy. Do you think we got where we are by being, being stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I think we got that far by you being stupid because God's just real smart. And they look at our church and they say, look at that big church. Look at all them buildings. Look at all them buses. They, they must have a lot of money. What's yours is mine. Huh? Know anybody like that? There's another attitude. The Levite walked by. <clears throat> and he has an attitude. <clears throat> In verses 31 and 32, what's mine is mine. What's mine is mine. You know everybody's got the attitude like that? What's mine is mine. I earned that. Takes my signature to do that. My checkbook. Do you know any husband and wife got my account and your account? It's because you know account. You ever heard of community property? If you've got a account, don't walk on my floor. Your floor? Don't whoop my kids. Oh, you did that by yourself, did you? You know the only one since Mary's been able to do that? Have kids yours and not ours? What's mine is mine. Preacher, you ought not preach on money all the time. Trying to get my money. I just thought we'd have a good time for tonight. Now, this is the basic attitude of today, is it not? What's mine is mine. Then there was another attitude, because your attitude will determine your altitude. You know why servants don't serve? Because they're not servants at all. What's theirs is theirs. Their time. Their money. Their family. Their happiness. What's mine is mine. That's what the Levite said. Sorry. Can't help you slick. Give you some advice though. If you ever get out of that ditch. If I was you I wouldn't get in another one. That's a Baptist attitude. Would you say amen? You don't bother me I won't bother you. What's mine is mine. The thieves has already showed directed. What's yours is mine. There's another attitude. A Samaritan walked by, did he not? He has an attitude also. His attitude is what's mine is yours. Got that? What's mine is yours. My time is your time. My money is your money. My talents are your talents. Can I use mine to help you? 
Can I use my ability, my God-given talents, my God-given gifts? Can I use what God has given me to help you? Lord, since you've been so good to me, would it be all right if I gave you back some of what you've given me? Lord, since you give me seven days, would it be all right if I gave you one of them back? Lord, since you gave me 100%, would it be all right, Lord, if I could just give you 10 back? Lord, if you gave me all these talents to play the piano, to to play the guitars, to sing specials, Lord, uh, would it be all right? If I gave something back. What's mine is yours. Now which attitude have you adapted? I tell you one I want. What's mine is yours. Because it's a whole lot more refreshing to be around that kind of attitude. Can you say amen? Ask anybody who's ever come to this church and ministered. Any missionary, any preacher who's ever come and stood behind this if they'd like to come back. Just just ask. I'll give you the numbers. give you the names. You can call them. Ask any missionary around the country if they've ever heard of Joshua Baptist Church. Just ask them. And see if they'd like to come back. Talk to the missionary kids. And ask if the preacher come by and give them 50 or 100. And say, go buy you something of this. And a lot of kids, a lot of missionary kids have a lot of kids. That's why some of them get 50. <laughs> Amen. What's mine is yours. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. Which attitude do you think? Which attitude do you think makes chill bumps from the back of God? Thrills the heart of the Godhead when he sees somebody that has taken on the same nature of the one who said, for God so loved the world that he gave. Isn't that amazing? I said, isn't that amazing? Opportunities. I I am so glad. You know the most frightening thing, and, and... I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to share my heart. The most frightening thing that I've ever done in my 77 years of being on this earth. And boy, I've done some dumb things, honest. My wife can tell you a few of them, but I have done some absolutely ridiculous dumb things. But the most frightening thing I've ever done in my life is the evening 
that I stood on my front porch and made it public that I was going to start the Joshua Baptist Church. An old man bound for failure. That was me. And it had not been for a godly wife who stayed behind her man and encouraged her. And I saw her coming from churches that would not welcome my family because of me. She actually went to churches in the neighborhood. And when the preacher was being so friendly as she left, they told my wife, Ms. Wolfenbarger, you know there's some other churches in the community. Well, I've got news for you. There is one now that anybody is welcome in. I don't care if her husband is a world-renowned evangelist. I don't care. Thank God there's a church now. It don't make any difference what color you are, how old you are, how much money you got, or what problems you have. You're welcome in this place. And the most frightening thing I've ever done in my life is when the opportunity arose to help those folks that's in the ditch of this old world in Joshua. And said, yes, what's mine is yours. And for 50 years, I've poured my life into some of you to make a difference. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Really? What you have is not yours. It's his. Every talent, every penny, every breath, every opportunity is his for you to make a difference. Amen? I said, amen. You walk by them every day. And the question is, are you willing to face that fear of failing? That's, that was my fear. My fear was, that I would fail at 50 or 46, wasn't it, wife? Was I 46 when I started the church? See, naught times naught equals naught. If I'm 85 now. Well, let's say I was an old man. 
And I feared desperately. But in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13 as I close, there's a companion verse that goes along with these verses. And it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, or charity. And the greatest of these three is charity. You know what that Samaritan did? When that Samaritan saw the man in the ditch, stripped, robbed, beaten, and helpless, he exercised faith. Faith. Here is a Samaritan who is a half Jew half Assyrian. Here, in the eyes of society, is the basis of all humanity. A Jew would not have any dealings with him at all. A Jew would not even go through Samaria. They would go all the way around because the Samaritans was unclean. Jews could have nothing to do with them. And that's what's so astounding that time when Jesus said, I must needs go through. You remember where? Because there was a woman down at the well that needed to be saved. Jesus must go through. And this Samaritan that had the attitude, what's mine is yours, exercised his faith, a faith that dares a faith that dares I'll make a difference I'm going to take time and I'm going to stop I'm going to get off the highway I'm going to get down the ditch I'm going to get dirty might get blood on me I guess I suppose but I'm going to dare to make a difference and ladies and gentlemen if you ever make a difference it'll take faith No income, house payments, car payments, no income. I tell you what, let's do, honey. Let's just start Joshua Baptist Church. Who's going to pay us? Well, Joshua Baptist Church. Well, there's no Joshua Baptist Church. How's Joshua Baptist Church going to pay us if there's no Joshua Baptist Church? That means they have no checking account. Who's going to write the checks out of a checking account that don't exist? Let's just start Joshua Baptist Church and live happily ever after. Let's go rent a building. Let's go buy chairs. Let's go buy furniture. Let's do. uh, Well, who's going to pay for the bill? Who's going to pay for Joshua Baptist Church? Well, wait a minute. There ain't no Joshua Baptist Church. Who's going to write the checks? Well, since there ain't no Joshua Baptist Church, then there must not be a Joshua Baptist checking account. So I guess, well, how are you going to eat? A Joshua Baptist Church is going to pay us. You want to try some of this? You say, how in the world did you do it? We just believe God could do it. Very cautiously and very frightened and very frightful and fearing. I just, we just trusted God. Uh, just, just, just trusted God. 
and we started Joshua Baptist Church. You say, how'd you do that? I, I, I just saw a bunch of folk in the ditch. I, I saw a bunch of folk that the devil was having a heyday with, and I just saw a bunch of folk that probably might listen to some preaching every once in a while, and, and I just put up a sign that said, Gene Wolfenbar is going to preach here next Sunday morning. If you'd like to come, come. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, nobody came. And I just kept preaching. And by faith, just t- taking a step, faith that dares to buy property, faith that dared when people didn't want to buy property, bought property anyhow. Faith that dares when you walk into the bank and want to borrow a quarter million dollars and say, uh, who's going to sign for it? A Joshua Baptist Church. Oh, wait a minute. They ain't no Joshua Baptist Church. Well, if you give me a quarter million dollars, it will be real quick. <laughs> Faith that dares. Faith that dares. Faith that'll drive to Ohio and preach a revival meeting and drive back put the offering in Joshua Baptist Church and go soul winning for a week and then go to New Mexico and preach a revival and bring the love offering back and put in Joshua Baptist Church and go soul winning another week. Oh, you know, it would be odd, honey, if we buy a trailer and we go down to Walnut Springs and buy wood for $45 a cord bring back the Metroplex and sell it for $90 a cord and we take the money and put it in Joshua Baptist Church now Joshua Baptist Church has a checking account now Joshua Baptist Church has got a place to preach now Joshua Baptist Church has got a checking account but it's got my social security number on it so I'm paying taxes on all the money coming to Joshua Baptist Church. See how long did you do that? Well, about 10 years. But Joshua Baptist Church now is checking account. Well, Joshua Baptist Church needs, needs a building. Huh? Well, think we ought to go to the bank and Borrow some money and build a building. Faith that dares. You got faith that dares to take a step, even if you know the water's not going to recede? Faith to say, I'll drive a bus. Even if it does work into your schedule, to take a little boy or girl who's living in a situation that's lower than a hog pen. Have you got enough faith to stop by and just maybe reach down and pick him up, even if it does take some of your time? Faith that dares. 
Our church is here tonight because there's been faith that dared to take a step. The property you own right now. This property you own right now. I told you what I've been called because I bought this property. <laughs> the best friend I've got in this world, my wife. said, honey, I don't think it's a good idea you buy that property. I didn't think it was a very good idea either, to tell you the truth. But it was available. And we bought it. Anybody here glad we bought it? We paid $17,500 an acre for this property. A good friend of mine, a trustee, invited me into his house. He ambushed me. Have you ever been ambushed? Set me on his comfortable couch. Yeah. Said, would you like to have some preacher? A coffee preacher? Yeah. He said, now listen, I think what you've done when you bought that property is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he called me everything but a wheelbarrow, and he rolled it at me. Well, a few years later, we leased the property for 25,000 an acre just for gas. I hope Joe was listening whenever I signed that contract for $25,000 an acre for land I paid $17,000 an acre for. Such a dumb deal. Faith that dares. Are you going to sit right there and not do anything the rest of your life because you're scared of failure? Man, jump in. The water's fine. Amen? I just need to be quiet. Hope that shares. Verse 34. Hope that shares. What's this? The Bible says, And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to the inn, and took care of him. Hope. That endures. Lastly, love that cares. Verse 34 and 35. Love that cares. Faith, hope, and love. I want faith that dares to take a step. I want hope. That shares. I want people to think that Brother Wolfenbarger is a very generous person, not a holy tightwad. You'd be surprised when contractors do work for us, and Brother Jim was, and Miss Mary, and others have worked around me for many, 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 many years. Vicky was on staff for a long time. You ought to look at the face of a contractor that don't know the Lord. And he gives you a bill. And you add 20% to it. 
being a church. Because everybody knows the church deserves a discount. But for many years now, if you do a good job, and you're not a con man, we'll be very generous. The contractor that built our building lost $165,000. It cost him more to build the building than than he charged us. He lost. I've got the papers. I've got the uh, CPA. I, I have all the papers of every check he wrote while he's doing the building. He lost $165,000 on this $3 million building. What's that dog? Snidely, isn't it? What's that dog's name? You know the dog. What? What? Is he the one who goes... Today's attitude is, when I look at Tom Wright, who lost a hundred and sixty some thousand dollars. <laughs> look what we did. What's yours is mine. Tough luck. Well, what if I showed up, me and Andrew, one day? And your name is Tom Wright. And you're a born-again Christian who loves God. And what if you're Tom Wright and the Wolfenbarger boy shows up with a $100,000 check and hand it to you and say, Tom, I'm sorry you lost the 65, but here's the 100. Will that make a difference? What's mine is yours. How many of you have walked to my office and seen me reach in my attache case? Take cash and give it to you. And you left the office and, oh, that church got plenty of money. Wait a minute, that wasn't a church's attache case. Which attitude do you think pleases God? What's yours is mine? What's mine is mine? Or what's yours? What's mine is yours? Your time. Your talent. Your opportunity. What's mine is yours. That's what God wants at this altar. Wouldn't it be nice if all of God's people had the attitude of the Good Samaritan? By the way, who's he a picture of? Every one of us tonight has an opportunity.
to make a difference in somebody's life. Amen. Has somebody made a difference in your life? Then it's your turn to make a difference in somebody else's. It's your opportunity to be a blessing to this church. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Yeah, well, uh, that's the only 15-minute message I ever preached in two hours in my life. Verse 37, I close. Verse 37. In your Bible, verse 37. Go and do thou likewise. Amen.